0: Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS
1: AM 890. So welcome in to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and we are live this afternoon with a very captive studio audience here at Jewel on Roosevelt and Wabash. Thanks so much for coming out. We're going to have to – we're right up. If you're going to come out to the show, and we highly encourage you doing so because we got stuff you can win, and we're, we're right up by the booze, by the uh, the beer and liquor section, and in between that and the Cheez-Its. So if you're looking for us to come out and hang by the show, that's where we are. I'm Connor McKnight, and we've got you for the next two hours here on White Sox Week. We'll lead you all the way up to the White Sox pregame show. Of course, it's the Sox and Indians wrapping up their season this afternoon and tomorrow, just two games left for this 2017 White Sox team. And we got some news about these White Sox on Thursday. Rick Hahn, the general manager, sitting down and talking with reporters quite a bit about about the future of this team. And, of course, the news that Carlos Rodon is indeed or has indeed had surgery uh, just over the last couple of days. It's uh, an arthroscopic surgery on his shoulder and as far as things go, as far as the shoulder surgery goes for a pitcher, about the best news you could have found. But as Rick mentioned too in his press conference, you know it is always kind of a concern when you open up a shoulder for a pitcher. So we'll have to. Uh, you'll hear from Rick Hahn on the show in just a little while. You'll hear from Ricky Renteria, kind of the uh, the de facto season-ending press conferences with the both of them, the general manager and the manager of these whites uh, of the White Sox on Thursday before the Sox got underway in their last home game. So we'll, we'll walk through a little bit of that and talk through some of the things that uh, that have gone on in this season. We'll do a full wrap-up show next Saturday and really put a capsule on everything and, and look forward a little bit too. But you know, suffice it to say, the general manager brought up a couple of points in his press conference yesterday, or Thursday I should say, about... Where some of the pieces, where some of the future of this club lies, and in more than just talking about prospects, he was setting up ideas for for current players and, and for situations for current players and how you know, this team may look similar but different going into next season, how the growth of these young guys over the next season is going to impact a lot, obviously, uh, the future of this franchise. So we'll get into that a little bit today. And, you know, as always, we have a question for you, the White Sox fan. We'll pose it to you now. There's two ways you can get involved with the show. Actually, I take that back. Since we're live at Jewel, there are technically three ways you can get involved with the show. One is giving us a call, 312-591-8900. That's the phone number here on the show, always is. You give us a ring. Uh, Happy to talk about the White Sox with you, although we do have one specific question for you if you want to get to that in just a little bit. You can also shoot us a tweet at C1 McKnight is the Twitter handle. You uh, hit us there. We'll always get back to you throughout the course of the week. We will also, today and today only, uh, be featuring live questions if you come up here uh, at The Jewel, Roosevelt, and Wabash. You can hang out with us. We're doing a live show. You can spin the wheel of prizes here on WLS. Let's see what you can win. I'm gonna I'm grabbing the prize wheel right now. You can win DVDs. You can win a hat. I'm actually wearing uh, What is it? what's the best way. It's the halfway to St. Patrick's Day hat that the Sox gave out. It's uh, sponsored by Jameson. We're right up here by the Jameson display. They knew where to put us this afternoon for White Sox Weekly. It's a lovely, and I don't know a better way to say it, it's it's a cabbie hat, right? I mean, that's essentially what it is. I'm sure it's got a better name, too. But it's a good-looking lid, and uh, you can walk away with one of those if you're out and about on the, uh, on the south downtown side. Roosevelt and Wabash is where we're at, the Jewel, here upstairs. So you can come hang out with us. Sox fans, you can also sign up for SoxFest 2018. You can do it right now, and you can receive a Hawk Harrelson talking bobblehead. The exclusive giveaway item is only available through SoxFest hotel packages. So join us January 26th through January 28th for a weekend of White Sox baseball you won't want to miss. Hotel packages are available now at whitesox.com slash SoxFest. You know, it's, it's so strange, and I think I mentioned this um I think I mentioned this last week when we were doing White Sox Weekly. You know, we start getting these, you know, the reads and the promos from the White Sox, you know, the end of season ones, a couple of weeks with the season to play, and we start doing SoxFest reads, and it feels like, oh, boy, that's going to be so far away. But it really hops on quicker than quicker than I imagine each and every time with uh, Sox Fest coming up at the end of January this year. So the question I have for our White Sox Weekly listeners this afternoon, though certainly you're welcome to join the show and talk about any aspect of the White Sox you feel like. You're going to hear from Rick Hahn, the general manager, and a few. You're going to hear from Ricky Renteria. And we will also, oh, I forgot to mention, after the 5 o'clock news, we're going to get on the horn and talk to Chris Cook of the Chicago Tribune. If you are a Blackhawks fan, you absolutely know Chris Cook's work. He has been, uh, over the last handful of years, covering the Blackhawks. I believe I was talking with Chris the other day, and I think he came on right Right at the beginning, I think it was Patrick Kane's rookie season is when he hopped on the Blackhawks beat. Well, the Tribune has moved some things around, and Chris Cook is taking over for Colleen Kane, who did a fantastic job with her time on the White Sox beat. Uh, but Chris is moving over to the White Sox beat, so we figured we introduce you to the newest White Sox beat reporter, a guy who is going to be covering your team, the White Sox, for the foreseeable future for a good long time. Chris is a fantastic reporter, and we'll get his impressions as he's hopped on, hopped on to this season a little after the All-Star break. So there's been a lot that Chris has seen, a lot of new stuff, too. It'll be kind of fun. it be really fun to get a, a fresh perspective from Chris about this club as they go into, as the Sox go into the offseason here after the 2017 season. Here's the question for you, though, and we've drawn this out long enough. The question for you is this. What should, what do you need, how do you want the White Sox to proceed, whether this off season or next, in the immediate future, for Avi Garcia, who's going to finish second in Major League Baseball in average, batting average? And how do you want them to proceed with Jose Abreu, who is one of three players in the history of Major League Baseball to register over 25 homers and over 100 RBI in each of his first four seasons? It's him, it's Jose Abreu, it's Joe DiMaggio, and it's Albert Pujols. That's it. Those are two Hall of Famers. Pujols is going to be HOF five years after he retires. That's going to be a first-ballot guy. Obviously, you know, Jose's circumstances are different coming over at age 26 from Cuba. But, my goodness, I mean, that that kind of company is worth taking a look at. So, question to you is this. How do, in your ideas, how do in uh, the White Sox proceed with Avi Garcia and with Jose Abreu? 312-591-8900. That's the phone number here. When we come back after a quick break, we'll hear from Rick Hahn in just a couple of minutes about Carlos Rodon, I want to talk a bit uh, about what the surgery means for Carlos for the rotation on the whole. And I, I think it really actually, there might be something good in the immediate term that comes out of Carlos having to, certainly it's, it's not a great thing when you've got to have a, a picture of Carlos's magnitude go on the disabled list like he had to do to start the season, being shut down toward the end of the year. But I'm, I'm going to find, and if we have to draw it, so be it. I'm going to find a little bit of silver lining in this. Uh, Maybe you're with me, maybe you're not, but I'm going to point out something that I think might benefit the White Sox with Carlos needing surgery, Uh, certainly trying to make something out of nothing, I suppose. 312-591-8900. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. We'll be right back with the latest from White Sox general manager Rick Hahn here on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLSAM eight ninety. I'm Connor McKnight, and we are taking you all the way up to the pregame show this afternoon from three thirty up until five thirty. 530, technically five thirty-five is when we'll kick off the pregame show. White Sox and the Indians today. I'm actually pretty excited for this one. I was talking to Carson Fulmer before the White Sox got out of town, and of course he's the starting pitcher for the White Sox today. He goes against Corey Kluber which is obviously a high-profile matchup. And, you know, with the way Carson has been pitching the last two starts, obviously his first one, you know, part of a doubleheader, it did not go Carson's way. And really the the whole AAA season for Carson was not what he wanted it to be. Early on, he got off to a very good start, was going fairly deep into games, giving up the home run ball every now and again, but felt like he was commanding his pitches a lot better than he did in the subsequent three months or so. He's got two quality starts in his last two starts, and I, I'm kind of throwing out the start against the Astros because when you go out after 20 pitches and blisters and, you know, just things aren't there for you, I think you get the, the opportunity to kind of write that one off. Now, hopefully Carson's able to get out there, throw healthy, and the blisters don't pop up for him this afternoon. But, you know, in talking with Carson a, a little bit before he took off, we were, we were talking a bit about the high fastball and the propensity of guys who have a little movement on it, who can throw different types of fastballs like Carson can. He's got a four-seamer with a boatload of life. He's got the two-seamer and, and a cutter as well. And and as you know, you've probably read quite a bit about the home run rate rise this season, the uppercut swing and all that stuff, I, I can't tell you, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you, that it's one thing that has driven the uptick in home runs. I, I, I just don't, I'm not, <laughs> there are smarter men than me who, smarter people than me who aren't quite sure exactly what one factor it is that's that's ticked up home runs all across the league even you know middle infielders who have no business hitting 20 are hitting 20 this season that said it seems that to combat some of the upper hand, or the uppercut swings that we've seen across the league this year the White Sox played the Diamondbacks who are playoff bound and and maybe no team illustrates a changeover to this both individually and and team wise, than the Arizona Diamondbacks, they, they got J.D. Martinez, who was an early adopter of this kind of work. Uh, they have a guy like Mike Lamb, Jake Lamb, who's, who's right up there in, in this kind of stuff. They let go of Mitch Haniger, who went to the Seattle Mariners, who they kind of changed around and put into this stuff. And Mitch, when he hasn't been hurt, has been really good for them. But both Carson Fulmer and Lucas Gilito, and, and to a certain degree, Ronaldo Lopez, have really adapted and taken to throwing high fastballs. It's gotten them a lot of swings and misses this year. It's drawn some bad contact for them. It's gotten them out of tough A-Bs more often than not, it seems. So as those guys get more comfortable and, and as that pitch kind of plays into their own strengths, I think it'll be really interesting to watch how those three guys specifically, and as they go up, and we'll talk more about the prospects that are involved in the White Sox right now, you know, Michael Kopak, Alec Hanson, Dan Dunning. We'll see how those guys adapt to using that pitch as well with that certain selection of pitch. But I'm kind of interested. I'm really interested to watch Carson tonight and see exactly what he's got against a real, real good Indians team. Uh, That's the young part of the White Sox rotation, and obviously Carlos Rodon is certainly still young, but it feels like he's been here quite a bit longer, and he has, than a guy like Lucas Giolito, than a guy like Reynaldo Lopez, and then a guy like Carson Fulmer. That said... Carlos goes for surgery this past week—arthroscopic surgery on his shoulder to get some bursitis cleaned up. Certainly a hit anytime you've got to open up a shoulder. So you've got White Sox weekly here on WLSAM eight ninety. Sorry for the last little bit there. We're uh, live at Jewel on Roosevelt and Wabash. We were just talking a bit about Carlos Rodon. Where. Uh, So our our engineer, Steve, is out here making sure the dials and the wheels are working right. He has his son, Lucas, here as well. And we had had to send Lucas up to the roof to run the crank and make sure that everything was connected correctly. And he's, what is he, six? He's doing a great job. He's doing an absolute heck of a job out here. I just, I feel like we're probably going to run into some OSHA labor laws, most likely, with a six-year-old out here literally cranking the hand crank on a radio broadcast. But... We're going to do the best we can. He's, he's a trooper. He's going to be fine. Let's get him a Red Bull and just fire him up for the rest of the hour and a half of the show. All right, let's get to it. Uh, we were just talking about Carlos Rodon and exactly uh, the, the prognosis, the rehab, the work, and the actual specifics of the injury. Here's General Manager Rick Hahn talking Thursday about the latest injury to Carlos.
0: Yesterday in Los Angeles, Carlos Rodon underwent a arthroscopic procedure on his left shoulder performed by Dr. Neil Elitraj. Uh, the procedure revealed significant bursitis in his left shoulder, uh, which was debrided. The good news is, is that both the labrum and the biceps were viewed as normal during the procedure, and Carlos is expected to make a full recovery. The timing as to his return to uh, a major league mound is still... Uh, difficult to pinpoint at this point and is going to be dependent upon how his rehab goes. I would be able, we are able to put a time frame, a general time frame of six to eight months on his return to a Major League mound. Six months to do the math for you puts us at uh, roughly opening day, and eight months puts us at roughly June 1st. We'll not know more as to specifics of that timing until obviously Carlos completes his rehab and begins throwing uh, in spring training. So they're won't be any updates on timing there uh, until we get to Glendale next next spring. Uh, all things considered, it was obviously uh, as good a result as we could hope for, knowing that uh, we got to the point where he needed to have this arthroscopy to determine exactly what was troubling him in the shoulder. So questions on that or any other topic?
2: Rick, with that, um did you suspect uh, that it might be more than bursitis
0: when you first started uh, dealing with this? Uh, last spring? Well, all, the MRIs and the multiple doctors that were consulted all seemed to agree that it was bursitis. Uh, however, once it got to the point where rehabilitation allowed him at least to return but not to stay healthy, uh, I think there was concern for, for everyone involved. And you, you never want to uh, undergo a surgical procedure unless you absolutely have to, especially on a pitcher's arm. Uh, but it certainly got to the point where this was the best path to determine precisely what was going on, and, and we're pleased with, although still obviously a, a very real issue, uh, that it seems to have been limited to bursitis and something which, can, as I said, was debrided, and, and he has a, a good prognosis going forward.
1: Rick, is there something that has to change? I mean, obviously not to the surgery it does, but that kind
0: of the cause that led up to this, something it is? There's no, there's no specific... Delivery-based cause or uh, usage cause or anything along those lines—it's something that happens from time to time, and, and unfortunately, it happened to Carlos. It is—I uh, did ask—and and my understanding is that he, once he's on the other side of this and fully returned to pitching, uh, he is not at any heightened risk of recurrence, vis-a-vis any other pitcher from suffering from bursitis. So it should be behind him once once he's fully healthy. We
3: expect a full recovery where. Same
0: guy, the, the prognosis is for a full and complete recovery, and him to return back to the pitcher he was. Now, again, anytime you go into someone's shoulder, you uh, do so with the utmost caution, and we don't try to prognosticate too much on what's going to wind up happening. But in terms of what was medically performed and the, uh, what they saw inside the shoulder, uh, it was as good as we could hope, and he was uh, is projected to to make a full recovery.
3: Correcting. Do feel like this gave you an answer that you've been kind of looking for since February in terms of why well, it hadn't been right?
0: Uh, it does give us an answer. I think part of it was that... Uh, he obviously returned to form for a stretch there, too. So when he, when he started to regress a little bit, and you, and you did see some of it in some of his starts where it took him a few innings to get loose. You could just tell from watching him it wasn't quite right. And then when we had to scratch him uh, during his pregame bullpen, you knew that this issue wasn't wasn't going away and it needed to be explored to try to get to the bottom of it. Uh, certainly Our manager we
1: were... Rick talking a bit there about Carlos Rodon and the surgery that was done this uh, past week here. Got to take a break before we go and hit the 4 o'clock news. You can commemorate the Hall of Fame career of White Sox outfielder Tim Raines by purchasing a limited edition Tim Raines Hall of Fame dual bobblehead. This unique keepsake includes action shots of Tim's likeness as well as uh, as a White Sox and Expos players. Rock bobbleheads are available at 40 bucks each and available while supplies last. Visit WhiteSox.com slash rock bobble. That's white sox.com slash rock bobble bobble to get yours today. This is White Sox Weekly, and we're live at the Jewel Osco out here at Roosevelt and Wabash. Come on by and say hello. We're right in between the uh, the Jameson display and the Cheez-Its out here. we got giveaways, too. Stuff for you. White Sox hats from the uh, halfway to St. Patrick's Day. Where is the—let me see this. Oh, yeah, we got cool White Sox T-shirts as well. You can have those. And WLS has brought back some, uh, some tote bags that you can use as shopping bags here. Word is it actually costs— to pick up a shopping bag these days. So this could be, I mean, this might be a $100 giveaway over the course of a year. You use one of these, take it grocery shopping, shoot, you could pack your lunch, take it to the White Sox game, and and tailgate before you get started for a 2018 season opener, perhaps. Hopefully the weather is good enough to tailgate out there two seasons ago with the snow. That was pretty crazy. Uh, We will be right back, and you'll hear a little bit more from White Sox general manager Rick Hahn. He had his season-ending press conference on Thursday before the White Sox headed to Cleveland. So stay right here. You've got WLS AM 890. The Chicago White Sox... Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. We have the White Sox pregame show coming up at 535 this evening, afternoon. That's kind of right in the middle. Never really sure where to put that 535 thing. We're going to call it evening just so that I don't lose my mind. Sox fans, it's never too early to lock in a 2018 ticket package. Full and partial ticket plans are available. Take advantage of great benefits like discounted pricing and flexible payment plans. For more information, Contact, uh, call, rather, 312 674 1000 or visit whitesox.com. Mentioned before the break that we were going to have to get to Rick Hahn. He gave his uh, season ending press conference at Guaranteed Rate Field on Thursday before the game. Uh, And a lot of interesting stuff was brought up, and I want to get into some of the meat of it afterward. We'll talk a bit, you and I, uh, about some of the things Rick had to say. It's in two parts. Um, you can actually come out and hang out with us. I just want to let you know. We are live at Jewel on Roosevelt and Wabash downtown on the, uh, just south of uh, our studios up there at the NBC Tower. So you can come on by, say hello. We'd love to see you. Uh, and we'll give away some free stuff as well. If you want it, you can have it. Uh, not the stuff here at the Jewel, just the stuff we brought with us. Here is White Sox general manager Rick Hahn. This is Thursday prior to the last home game of the 2017 season.
4: Rick, how uh, would you wrap up the season here as far as uh, goals that you, Kenny, and then Jerry wanted to accomplish along with Ricky and staff? You know, I think obviously
0: we were, I feel, fairly transparent throughout this process about where what we were trying to accomplish both in 2017 and, and for the long term. As we look back at 2017, we're certainly pleased with... Uh, some of the accomplishments we were able to to have both at the major league level as well as in player development and internationally and and with the amateur draft uh, you know taking each of those in turn uh, I feel that one of the most important uh, steps forward we made as an organization at the major league level was not just the beginning of the introduction of some of these young players who are conceivably part of an impact core for a long time around here—the you know the Mancadas and Giolitos and Lopez's, uh, et cetera—but it's the culture that Ricky and his coaching staff has been able to create in that clubhouse. I, I cannot tell you how many various fans have stopped me or, or emailed me or mentioned to me. Uh, that they've never been this excited over a 60-win team or they've never been this excited over a team that isn't going to the playoffs. And I think so much of that is based upon how Ricky and the coaches have them playing day in and day out. You, You see them... Fighting 27 outs, you see them prepared every night, and sure, we're going to get outmanned during, as portion, at portions of this during this process. Uh, but the fight and competitiveness and the style of play is the kind of thing that is going to endure year in year out, and that was something that was extremely important to establish at the big league level for all of us. And I, I can't say enough, obviously, about what the job that Ricky and the staff has done along those lines. Uh, you know, internationally, it was imperative to us as we went down this. Uh, down this path of the rebuild to be aggressive and to be able to convert on high-impact talent that was going to cost us only money, so to speak. And uh, in being able to sign Luis Robert, we felt that was a uh, tremendous shot in the arm for our position player talent base and is, is another piece of this puzzle that's going to help us over an extended period of time. In player development, we saw uh, many important players take a step forward, whether it was Michael Kopech or Alec Hansen, Uh, the progress that was made uh, in the short time he was with us with with Eloy Jimenez, and the stuff that uh, Zach Collins was able to accomplish defensively are very important step forwards for arguably important pieces of this puzzle as we move forward. And you also wound up, which is inevitably part of this, well, certainly you're going to have some guys who, for whatever reason, don't perform up to the level you project, whether it's due to injury or, or whatever else the baseball gods have in mind for you, uh, you're going to have some players that surprise. And Nicky Delmonico coming up here and doing what he's done in the, in the time he's been in Chicago is a, is a testament not only to Nicky but to our the scouts that identified him and the, and the work that Buddy Bell and Chris Getz and that department was able to do to maximize his ability. Lastly, in the amateur draft, we were very pleased with uh, the players we were able to convert on. We wanted to continue to add, uh, balance out the depth of our system, and add more position players. And uh, in Berger and Sheets and Gonzalez in the first few picks, as well as a smattering of others, we feel uh, we were able to round out our system in a positive way. Uh, All that said, uh, we know we still have a lot of work to do. We know that, you know, quite frankly, we may be entering a slightly more difficult phase of this rebuild and that is the phase where we have to allow uh this talent the time and patience to develop uh, you saw it with moncata and and, and giolito and lopez there's a lot of people clamoring for them to come to Chicago, and we had to remain strong and not bring them here until we felt they were in the best position to have success. Uh, there's going to be temptation again next year, whether it's uh, some of the higher profile guys like Kopech and Jimenez that are probably uh, uh, garnering the most notoriety in our system right now, or, or others on the fast track, that in order to get this thing right for the long term, we have to make sure they answer all the questions that we have for them at the player development level before they come to Chicago. Uh Ultimately, that may prove to be challenging, but we're going to have to remain strong and diligent, and realize that this isn't about uh, any individual player or any individual season. This is about building something for the long term, and, and that for this next phase is going to require player development uh, uh, to play its important role, and us to have the patience in Chicago to allow that to unfold. Okay. We're free agents and spending big money in the open market, do you have that figured out yet or will you figure it out on the fly? We're going to have to figure that out in the coming years. We know, as I've said from the start, that ultimately free agency is going to be part of this. I mean, realistically, free agency is going to be part of it. You'd like to believe that we have answers for championship caliber talent at numerous at every position on the diamond and and throughout our pitching staff. But in reality, we know that some guys aren't going to develop a way along the lines that you project, or some guys are going to get hurt, and it's going to create a need at the big league level. Uh, As we sit here right now, it's too, too soon to say that we need someone at position X for when it's... Time to win. Uh, as we enter this off season, we'll you know monitor the free agent market, and if there's the opportunity to to get someone that we feel fits for the long term, we may we may move on that. Or you may see us continue as we did last off season and be a little more opportunistic, looking for players that can fill current holes and perhaps lead to uh, you know future transactions that help the long term.
1: When does his rehab officially begin? And uh, when you said six months. He could be ready by opening day is, the, or, the
0: window the window for his return I would say is six to eight months and from yesterday the day of the surgery which would put him if it's everything goes perfectly again and you're you're dealing with a more of the softer science side of this there isn't a set you know at three months he's supposed to be doing this and at four months he'll be able to do that uh it's going to be more about how the body heals and then ultimately, how we're build, able to build up arm strength. So, conceivably, the front end of that is around opening day, but the back end is about June 1st. And again, we're just not going to know where he's going to fall in that until he gets back to throwing come come next spring.
1: Rick, you called this first base accumulation while kind of re- are taking down the uh, the whole roster. Have you guys moved out of that base yet?
0: I don't think entirely There's still going to – player acquisition is still going to be part of what we're trying to do, even, even in the final stages, whether it's in free agency, as we talked about, or, you know, trading from a position of depth to, to address a need. You know, certainly you've seen many quality teams going to the postseason that had to continue to be aggressive in their processes over the course of this past trade deadline. And once we're ready to win and, and contend for championships, I suspect we're going to have to do the same. Uh, but look, we're going to have a fairly high pick in the 2018 draft. That's going to be another important draft for us. And if there's the opportunity this offseason, uh, to make similar such trades, the ones we've already made, then we're certainly going to explore them. We, we have a responsibility to do that. You're not, obviously, based on what we currently s- still have in house and the age of the roster and the fit of certain guys going forward, you're not going to see anywhere near the volume of transactions that we saw over the last whatever memory months going back to December. Uh, but that is also probably part of what makes it this phase a little bit more difficult. It's going to be more about. There's still going to be the player acquisition part. There's still going to be the occasional deal that's going to make us excited here about who we're bringing in. Uh, but this is going to be a, as much about development and maximizing our internal talent as it is going to more so than it's going to be about acquiring from
2: the outside. Rick, will you talk about 2019, 2020, do you allow yourself to, to look at the, what the Twins do, for instance, and say, well, we could maybe put a competitive team on the field in 2018, and do you allow for that? Would I, that you, what, could, we, what? could be good next year?
0: You know what I allow for, Chris? Like I allow for people around here to be pleased about what we've been able to do in one year. That that question's even on the table. Uh, the notion that we could possibly contend in in 2018. Uh, we, when we set out to do this, again, we we talked about the fact that these rebuilds take time. That this is a long term project. That this is something that. Uh, We've seen throughout the league, and even the best of them, have taken four or five years. Now, again, we felt we were in a little bit different position in that we had some premium assets at the big league level that were going to allow us to make some pretty impactful trades as opposed to necessarily just starting from scratch and building through the draft. Uh, so we weren't ready to commit to any sort of time frame. But the, the notion that people are even entertaining the concept that we could contend in one year into this process – I think shows that uh, people feel very optimistic and pleased with what we've been able to do so far. Ultimately, our goal, as we've stated throughout, is to put ourselves in a position to be a World Series contender and a World Series champion year in and year out. That entails a club that is capable of, in all probability, winning 90-plus games in order to win a division, if not 95, to be able to win a division and put yourself in a good position into the playoffs. Anything can happen once you get in, and the key is getting in, but we want to build a club that has that level of premium talent that you're one of the elite teams in the postseason. Uh, We're not looking to to build a club that's going to jump up in one year, contend for a wild card, and then regress back. We're looking for a a longer-term point of view. Uh, I think the Twins have a very bright future ahead of them, and their their future probably got here a little bit earlier than they anticipated by getting into the postseason as quickly as they did. Uh, But again, I think they're also shooting for... That next higher level, which is part of the reason you didn't see them, you know, sell off their system in order to, to lock down what they're able to do this year. Uh, our situation, uh, again, uh, pleased that that's even on people's minds. But what we're shooting for is not a, a one year one year fix. We're we're shooting for something that's going to be sustainable.
2: Greg, uh, you said a year ago in the winter that there was no untouchables in this organization. Considering all the young talent that we have right now. Would you still say that, or uh, are there people that you would uh, still deal even if they were considered top people in your organization?
0: When I say there's no untouchables, I think that's when you say someone's untouchable, you break off conversations. Clubs aren't going to engage in any substantive matter on, on players if you say, Oh, I'm sorry, that person's untouchable. So I do, you know, I follow. Jerry's mindset on that, and that he, in his you know 37 years in Chicago sports or whatever the number is combined, uh, you know he's had one untouchable in, in Michael Jordan between the two clubs, and obviously that's a pretty special, unique situation. So the way we approach it is the same way we approach it last offseason, and that is that we are open minded on all our guys. Certainly, some are far more difficult to move than others, uh, and many of those who we view as part of this. You know, next core to put us in, that, in the position to have an extended run would be extremely difficult to move unless we're for some reason acquiring you know, similar such talent back, which is a pretty rare transaction in the game.
1: Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. That's General Manager Rick Hahn. we got to hit the break real quick here, but Rick did a real good job of, uh, well, doing my job, quite frankly, because that is a teaser if there was ever a teaser. There are never untouchables, he says. You, you can't cut off conversation, and you always have to make sure that you're doing the best for every interest of your ball club. We'll talk about what that means for Jose Abreu and Javi Garcia when we come back. Three one two five nine one eight nine zero zero. I put the question out there on Twitter and we've gotten some feedback there. At C1 McKnight is the Twitter handle. Question was is pretty simply. What would you do with Javi Garcia and Jose Abreu? What would you have the White Sox do if you had Rick Hahn's job and gave out that whole press conference on Thursday? What is it that you'd be looking to get done? Three one two five nine one eight nine zero zero. That's the phone number you got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and your breakout MLB season is on Nintendo Switch. RBI Baseball 2017 is filled with fast-paced pick-up-and-play MLB action packed with all your favorite MLB teams, players, ballparks, and much more. Get rbi baseball today for nintendo switch learn more at rbigame.com I-, I didn't know any of that before i read it i know that the white Sox bullpen specifically are all hooked on uh, nintendo switches right now it's pretty intense the competition is there mike pelfrey apparently is your leader in the clubhouse on the nintendo switch they're all really hooked on the zelda game though i have seen them all uh, playing RBI baseball on Nintendo Switch 2. We just got done listening to Rick Hahn talk a bit about his ball club and specifically answer a couple of questions on the potential the potential future for Jose Abreu and Avi Garcia. And you know, I wanted to address it a little bit here because they are really fascinating A, players. B, in one case, rebound project, in another case, uh, ma- a mark of consistency. That has been there in the middle of the White sox lineup since the day he signed since winning the rookie of the year since the you know I mean the whole run so I think what's important to look at and we'll hear the uh, Rick went on to talk about a, a number of other things concerning the White sox and a little bit more on avi and Jose we'll probably get to that after the uh, four thirty news break here but i I just wanted to say this much for it with both avi and jose and and maybe it's not the best maybe it's not the Calming influence that you want with both those players. But I I think, in as much as this rebuild, in as much as the process for the White Sox has seemingly sped along over the last two months, I think it might do well to just, you know, tap the brakes once or twice. During the offseason. And I'm not talking about the front office. I'm not talking about, you know, exactly what might happen with these players. I just mean from fan expectation, from from our own outside in looking at this ball club and, and perhaps wondering a bit as to what the 2018 season might bring you. Because as Tim Anderson runs away with these last two months and gets things sorted out, as Avi Garcia will finish second in Major League Baseball and hitting without any kind of, you know, big fluctuation here in the last two days... As Jose Abreu stalks career numbers in home runs and perhaps RBI, as Lucas Giolito and Carson Fulmer, who makes a start tonight, and Ronaldo Lopez uh, you know, leave a good taste in your mouth at the end of the season. Hopefully all three of them will. You, you start to put things together, right? You start to put the roster down on paper and start to dream about what you know, top-end results from each of those players in 2018 might make your team look like. Obviously, the surgery to Carlos Rodan is a bit of a setback in what those dreams might look like. And there's no doubt that as all those players continue to get better, something that another thing Rick Hahn has kind of drilled into us, I think, over the last season, and something we've talked about a bit on the show is that development isn't a linear thing, right? There could be setbacks and there could be, you know, spurts and fits for all of those guys. However,. I think when it comes to Jose and what comes to Avi, you've got the ability to wait and see some. And I think with Avi specifically, you know, the wait and see makes a lot of sense there. White Sox fans and the organization and Avi, too, had been waiting to tap into what was pretty clearly a good hitter. And we've seen that so far this season. But in a, in a real way, there are some things in his year that have looked perhaps lucky. There are things in his year that have looked like they've made absolute sense. The opposite field power, for instance. The fact that he's running out every ground ball. I I just think that as we go through this offseason, there might be a propensity to want to press the gas pedal on everything. And I think, if anything, we've learned a bit that kind of waiting and seeing, while it has its own risks, I'm not saying it's it's a perfect fix for everything, it's just kind of waiting and seeing and letting things you know, play out around you is a pretty decent strategy, too, when you have as many cards, when you're holding as many cards, and, and by that I mean you know, young talent, young pieces as the White Sox have. we got to hit a break here. Uh, 312-591-8900. Want to know your thoughts on Avi and Jose as well. We have uh, more Rick Hahn to get for you. We have more Ricky Renteria to get to you as well. White Sox and Indians coming up at 535. We'll start the pregame show. I'm Connor. You've got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890.
3: Chronic.
2: Now, White Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox
1: baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. That's right. You've got White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. We are live at Jewel on Roosevelt and Wabash, hanging out upstairs right by the Cheez-Its and the Jameson. We've got the... uh, Halfway to St. Patrick's Day hat from the White Sox here as part of our giveaway sponsored by Jameson. A little tab on the back of the hat here. I'm wearing it, trying to make it look good. Probably failing. We got T-shirts and tote bags, all that good stuff. You want to come by, hang out with the broadcast. You are more than welcome to. We'd love to see you. If you've ever dreamt of being a White Sox player, well, then now is your chance. You can attend the 2018 Chicago White Sox Fantasy Camp. At Camelback Ranch, Glendale, January 14th through the 20th. You can be treated, you will be treated like a pro. For more information or to reserve your roster spot, call 623 302 5078 or sign up at WhiteSox.com. You know, it occurs to me that you could, as a White Sox fan, plan a pretty good end of January. You could get yourself to the fantasy camp from the 14th to the 20th. Then you come back for Sox Fest on the 26th. A couple of days in between to Check back in with work. Make sure you've not been let go or anything like that. For you know, missing all that time, but probably worth your time. You head down to uh, Glendale for fantasy camp. There, I, I, I've known a few people who have done it. They have come back with nothing but awesome, awesome stories from it. And uh, and you should get down there and do it. You just, you absolutely should. And if you get hurt, you get Herm Schneider to take care of you too. We. We're just listening to uh, White Sox general manager Rick Hahn talk a bit about the, the long term of this club and exactly what may go on over the course of the winter, some evaluations on players, things like that. Some of those will leave to Ricky Renteria in just a little bit, and some of them some of them will leave to Chris Cook of the Chicago Tribune who's taking over from Colleen Kane on the beat for the White Sox. Looking forward to talking to Chris and getting to know him a little bit here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, but just before the news, we were talking some uh, about the idea of what to do with Jose Abreu and with Avi Garcia. Obviously, both of them with just two years left of control from the White Sox. And while they're both in different places on the aging curve, uh, they're both in very similar places from a White Sox team control perspective. As the rebuild is looking to be a long-term thing, as it's looking to be a a self-sustaining thing, obviously the acquisition of young talent for perhaps expiring deals is something that the White Sox will always be looking at. Avi and Jose mean a lot of, of large things to the White Sox, right? Jose is the, the glue of that clubhouse. Avi is a guy who you know, kicked off kind of a rebuilding or reloading process a few years ago and a guy that they had some serious dreams on when they brought him over from the Tigers. And he's realized those this season. So as they both sit in kind of unique places, general manager Rick Hahn kind of addressed both of them, in this second half of a press conference with the Chicago White Sox beat reporters, and we'll bring that to you here on White Sox Weekly.
2: Into the future with the rebuild, is he a trade candidate or is he someone
0: that you expect? Again, and I may as well address Avi at the same time because they are in sim- similar situations. Um, Both Avi and Abreu are under control for the next two years through 2019. Uh, I think even under the most optimistic projections of our ability to contend, certainly 18 and 19 don't include the bulk of the time where we anticipate having a window open to us. So ultimately, with any player that isn't controllable for the bulk of that window, we have to make a make an assessment: Is it? in our best interest to extend that player so that they're controllable through that period of time, or do we need to, as we did with other similar extremely talented and valuable players in the game, explore the trade market and see if we're more better served by moving them in exchange for players that would be under control for that extended window of time that, that we project to have for ourselves. Uh, Abreu, is, uh, they're both special cases, in, and there's very strong arguments uh, for them playing roles You know, in 2020 and beyond. Uh, Abreu, obviously, can't say enough about not only the season he's had on the field, but the importance he is in our clubhouse, the role he plays in our clubhouse. Uh, Avi is still very young in this game, at age 26 this year, and has had his breakout season. And you can project, you can have reason to believe that that kind of performance is what's going to become the norm for him going forward. Uh, All those are considerations as we sort of make that assessment. Are we better served trying to uh, control these players through the bulk of what we project to be our window, or are we better served as an organization doing as we had to do with with Chris and Adam and, and Jose and others?
1: Rick, with, with Jose in particular, how has what he's done this year changed, if it has in any way? What do you think of him for a long term?
0: I don't think it's changed dramatically. I mean, he's had arguably his best year. He maybe could put it on par with his his, his rookie season, but uh, you know, I, I think you've seen some improvement from him defensively. He's certainly in, in great shape right now. Uh, I think most of the, if you were to say any improvement or any change since he first got here, it's simply with his comfort level in that clubhouse and the role of leader that he's, is that he's assumed. That he's always kind of well, wanted like a- to. We've talked about that <sighs> in this room going back after his rookie season. about hey, that's, that's how he a- viewed himself and that's what he wanted to be for this organization. But Rick's I think you've driving. seen uh, more parts, examples, uh, people. more public examples know well. than you were able to see in the past uh, of him Playing that role for this club,
3: Rick. Uh, regarding those two guys, it seemed to me you kind of answered a question with a question. So, do do you want Caught to that. do you want <laughs> to extend those guys?
0: That's nothing I would ever answer about any player. Uh, I, that is, I, what I tried to do was lay out the question at hand and the and the issue at hand, and that we have to as a as a front office make that decision uh, and. Frankly, on both players, those decisions don't have to be made this off season. As I said at the start, they're both controllable through 2019. We have the luxury, if we want, to play it out another year, play it out another instant around, or being cute. There isn't a the firm answer right now. We don't know what the options are. One of them, we don't. One of them conceivably is extending. We have to wait and see what that what that cost entails.
3: To um, play that out just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Doesn't it get more difficult to do an extension the closer they get to free agency?
0: In some cases, yes. In others, others, sometimes a player needs to see what their free agent value is, and they perhaps have a different view of what their value is than what ultimately the market tells them it is. So you've certainly seen a lot of players who've had to go out into the market and then... Get whatever information they needed, and ultimately return back to to their club. So, again, we neither of them are on the doorstep of free agency. Neither of them do we have to make a necessarily make a final decision on trade or extend into the 2020 air uh, the window that's in 2020 and beyond. Let's say, um, but those are the issues as candidly as I can lay it out in terms of what we're trying to decide and what the factors are you weigh in, in making that decision.
1: Talk about the importance of the uh, culture, kind of. Mm-hmm. Did you watch this month and all the young guys? Are you happy with what you've seen that uh,
0: side of things? Very pleased with it. I, these guys, you know, fight every night and they play. They hustle every night. You have a lot of guys out there who are whose bodies are sore from busting as hard as they have. Ricky's had to actually say to a few guys who are hobbling a little bit, "Look, I know you're sore. I know you're trying to bust it down the line like we've done since the first day of spring training." You can take it down a half a step if you have to on a play where you're clearly out, but that's sort of the mentality that he and the coaching staff has helped create and create and even even the veteran players who were here before we moved them embraced it and then you know even though they're obviously not part of the the end of the season with us or necessarily part of the near future, they deserve some credit too for buying in and when they were in a situation where it was likely that they were going to get moved and and you know again Ricky and the and the staff, Got the guys buying in, and, and they're playing a brand of baseball that I think White Sox fans can can be proud of, and the ones that have spoken to me are, are certainly proud of.
1: That's how Nate Jones, Zach Putnam, and even uh, Charlie Tilson are progressing
0: right now. Uh, uh, Jones and Putnam, there's really nothing substantive to the report. They're both recovering and, and continue on the original timelines that we gave you. Uh, Charlie Tilson uh, is has been cleared for baseball activities. Uh, he will be joining our instructional league here in the in the coming days if he hasn't already today. My days are a little messed up. And uh, we're going to hopefully be able to ramp him up into game activity down there in Arizona over the coming weeks and see how it goes. Rick,
2: uh,
0: Ricky Renneria the, the right manager to continue this rebuild and, and get to where you need to be? How, how long do you have? I mean, I think we've seen it time and again over the course of the season. There's been the – whether it's his uh, – Ability to create a culture uh, where every man on that roster feels in- important and understands the expectations of how we want the game played to his uh, ability to teach a guy, whether you've seen it on TV a number of times, him go- going up to guys in the dugout to- in-game to have that conversation. There's stuff that happens uh, before or after a ball game in private. Uh his baseball knowledge, the amount, his work ethic, the amount of time he spends to get this thing right, and the pride he takes in in being a White Sox, and and the shared vision we have for what we ultimately, as an organization, from Jerry, Kenny, myself, and Ricky, all want this thing to look like here over the coming years. Uh, you know, there, there's there, I don't think any of us around here have any doubt that he's absolutely the right guy. That's the, we
2: saw what happened with of the Cubs, kind of doing the rebuild, and then it didn't work out so well. I know he's still got a couple more years left on his deal, but is, is he long-term the guy that you think can run the show? I see no reason he's not.
3: On uh, Luis Robert. Yes. Uh, what, where do you, what do you expect from him next season in terms of levels that he would compete at and how you know where he is in his development.
0: It's a fair question and it's one that's a little tough to answer until we've got him playing regularly over here. Um, I expect he'll be in Big League camp with us. I says expect based on what we see over those 6 weeks, we'll choose an A-ball affiliate for him to start at. That could be Canapolis, it could be Winston, who knows. We'll see we'll see where what he looks like. Um, from there It wouldn't shock me if he pushed up a level or two, depending on where he started over the course of the 2018 season. He's obviously uh, got a very advanced approach at the plate. He's uh, very physically gifted, and and it would not surprise me if he wound up moving on the quicker side. That said, this is going to be the first time he's going to be in the States full-time. It's going to be the first time he's playing baseball that regularly, the first time he's had to adapt to the new culture and food and language. So we're going to give him the space he needs, regardless of what level he's at, to have his growing pains, if that's what happens. Uh, we're obviously very excited to have him we'll join us here once Big League Camp gets started. And then over the course of those few weeks, we'll get to sort of be able to project out a little more firm uh, a development plan for him.
1: When you watch the uh, postseason, and what might it be like to watch some of your former
4: guys pitching?
1: Uh,
0: I'm not the best at watching the postseason. It's sort of... All your friends having a party that you weren't invited to, so it makes me uh, not enjoy it too much. But I'll watch a little bit. of. It. I'm sure my kids will have it on the house when I'm around. I'm going out to the Fall League in, in Strux, and that's that, that's my postseason right now, enjoying uh, projecting out what the future can look like.
1: Do you have certain areas targeted yet,
0: or is it still kind of a fluid process, too, in terms of your lineup and that kind of thing? For 2018? Yeah. 2018-19 I mean, I mean, almost. Combined. I mean, in the, uh, we shot a pretty big hole through our bullpen. I think was pretty apparent over the course of our trade activity, uh, and that's certainly going to be an area of need heading into the off season. We've had a few guys step up here and and you know stake a pretty good claim on on a spot for the 2018 bullpen. Um, but at the same time, having a little bit more depth there, I think, will serve us well. Uh, and again, then it's going to be about being opportunistic. And Perhaps there's a you know another arm to fill into the rotation that makes some sense for us that we see help as a as a building block to allowing some of these young guys a little bit more time and cushion to develop. And uh, we'll see what's available position player wise. But I think you could you, you look at our bullpen, and you certainly we we can't make any secret that we're going to be have to be active there. Great. Is
2: that the coaching
0: staff I do.
1: Rick, did Michael Kopech change
0: his timeline? You know, with Kopech, and and people have heard me say this before, really the goals for him for 2017 was to take the ball every fifth day through the entire season, something that he had not done as a professional yet. And to survive at, at AA, which was an advanced placement for him at age 20, 21. And obviously, based on his performance, not only was he able to take the ball every fifth day, but he blew past you know those sort of modest goals, which we felt were very real and very important goals for him. And you know, people who've, who've covered us for a few years are probably sick of me here and you know, say that the good ones have a way of sort of forcing the issue, and, and that's what... Michael started to do last year by getting himself to AAA at age 21 and and, uh, and, and performing extremely well at, at both the AA and the AAA level. Uh, I, I certainly don't want to rule anything out, but I think once again, we're going to take a, a, an approach where we're going to have realistic and important goals for him for 2018, and if he blows past them and, and forces the issue, we'll, we'll adapt accordingly. Uh, Yohan
3: know, kind of, mm-hmm. Moncada, it looks like if you just looked at the straight numbers it would be pretty impressive but the metrics seem even more so hard hit rates and the plate discipline just uh, how do you, how do you evaluate it and, and in particular was the plate discipline and taking those walks a pleasant surprise?
0: Now, I wouldn't say necessarily a, a surprise. It's nice to see him continue that at the big league level. It was certainly part of the package that we thought we were acquiring and that aptitude and that strike zone ju- knowledge and judgment, uh, as along with his ability to barrel up a ball and, and as you pointed out, the exit velocity and, and what came with that. Uh, you know, he... he he obviously had a very fine season. He, he met our expectations from what we were hoping he was going to be able to accomplish this year. And uh, and part of that those expectations was him being challenged by a big league breaking ball. That's part of the reason we brought him up when, he, when we did was because he wasn't really getting challenged anymore on that sort of last, one of the last elements of his development that had to happen in Chicago. And you've seen over the last few weeks, I think, a little bit more adjustment to that. And that's going to continue to happen. This is a 22-year-old kid, and he's going to have some fits and starts here over the next few years. But uh, based on everything we've seen since, since he first stepped on campus for us, we continue to project him as a, as a special talent.
1: That is White Sox general manager Rick Hahn, who has, you know, in a lot of different ways and a lot of different uh, lot of different press conferences talked about some of the young talent that the White Sox have yet to see and some of them some of it that it's some of that is already here. It's it's been impressive to watch the debuts of a number of different prospects, whether it's Giolito, whether it's Lopez, Mancata, whether uh, the list goes on. But What will be very interesting for me, especially once we hit spring training, and and Rick talked about this a little bit in the uh, last couple of minutes here, will be to see how a guy like Alo Jimenez or a guy like Luis Robert steps up into that first, that next challenging assignment. You know, where Jimenez ends up being assigned, where Robert ends up being assigned, will be very interesting and very fun to watch. And I think we'll get to see both of them in Major League Camp uh, for the first time as White Sox players, too. So that just a a handful of months away and certainly we got to get through all of winter before we get there that will be a lot of fun to watch when we come back a little bit from Ricky Renteria at 505 we'll talk to Chris Cook of the Chicago Tribune this is White Sox Weekly you've got WLS AM 890
4: are you looking for extra
1: welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890 Sox fans don't miss the White Sox signature podcast The Cycle Comedian at Chicago and Pat McGann, along with a rotating group of co-hosts, chat with athletes and celebrities about sports, life, and everything in between. Subscribe to your podcast app today. Uh, Pat should probably have Jose Abreu on the cycle at some point, because Jose hit for the cycle uh, earlier this season. Speaking of Jose Abreu, and we've been doing that a lot over the last probably half hour of the show, we heard Rick Hahn talk a bit about Jose and the unique circumstances that he kind of has in the last two years, uh, the next year, 18 and 19, the last two years of, of team control there, uh, the unique situation he's in as is a, is a leader in that clubhouse and, and what he means and what he's meant, rather, to a couple of young players in that club, too, uh, maybe all the young players in the club. Ricky Renneria talked a bit about having Pito, as he calls him, as a lot of guys call him, in that clubhouse, what he's meant from the day-to-day standpoint, something that he's a little bit more familiar with than Rick though certainly, you know, the two talk, the two Ricks. Here is manager of the White Sox, Ricky Renteria, a bit about Jose Abreu.
4: Well, a lot of value, especially in, in, in the place in which we're at right now. We find ourselves with a lot of young players that are, you know, just coming into the major league level. Uh, there's a learning curve. Uh about what they're capable of doing between the lines. But then you have someone who's been here now for four years who's maintained a really consistent um, working routine and has still continued to improve. I mean, this year might be one of his better years of the four years you guys have seen him. Uh, especially on the defensive end. I mean, offensively, he's been as consistent as you can possibly be. Uh, but defensively, he took another step forward, huge step forward. And I think uh, during ball games, on top of that, when there's a little action going on and they have to talk about something when they go to the meetings in the mound, he's in there. You know, he's initiating some of those talks. So it's really big to have uh, uh, those guys see someone uh, take something seriously, Still be relaxed, but he's also coming into his own himself. He's become more and more relaxed uh, as time goes on.
1: It's been really fun to watch Jose and you know his interactions with younger ballplayers, with other ballplayers in that clubhouse. There's no doubt that he is—he's the guy in that clubhouse. And as he, it's always been fascinating to me to watch a lot of players who come over without English as a first language adapt to this and be so smart so as to be able to converse with English-speaking players and make sure that they're, I mean, they all have a, a common ground of baseball to talk about and to talk, you know, language to work with. But that's harder than it, than it sounds, me just saying it here, right? I mean, it's, it's much more difficult than just saying, well, they all talk baseball. That's kind of a cop-out. And it's really not giving credit where credit's due to guys like Jose who have adopted this kind of you know, both in, in hybrid language. It's really impressive to have watched Jose over the last little bit. We'll talk a little bit more about that and about this future of a White Sox ball club where the uh, season comes to an end tomorrow afternoon, 2-10 game tomorrow. Everybody starts at the same time. we got a 6-10 game tonight, pregame show at five thirty five. Up next, Chris Cook, who covers the White Sox of the Chicago Tribune, is going to hop on White Sox Weekly. This is WLS AM 890. We
2: are Wintrust. Prowcom and consider it done.
1: Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLSAM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and you can join Chicago White Sox Charities for the holiday garage sale on Saturday, December 2nd at Guaranteed Rate Field. You take home a piece of White Sox history, including a game, used equipment, jerseys, hats, and much more. Entrance to the garage sale is free. For more information, visit whitesoxcharities.org. We are, as a show, live from Jewell at Roosevelt and Wabash downtown. Chris Cook is very much not here at Jewel. He is covering the White Sox for the Tribune in Cleveland. He joins us now on White Sox Weekly. Hi, Chris. Thanks for coming on the show.
2: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: So, Chris, uh, you and I have known each other for a little while as, as you cover mm-hmm. the Black Hawks for the Chicago Tribune, and you are now coming on to the beat and covering the White Sox for uh, for the trip. Welcome to the beat. And and I wonder, from a procedural standpoint for you, what's, what's the first thing an intrepid like yourself does when you get added to a new beat like this? Were there, like, you know, phone numbers that you needed to seek out first? Did you sit down with Rick Hahn and have, like, a, a Godfather-style dinner that you can't talk about and I'll just ask you about over and over again? How does that work?
2: I missed the dinner part of it, but no, I guess to tell you that um, I'm taking over for Colleen Kane, who was just terrific in kind of transitioning. She's going to go on to the Bears beat and join that coverage, but she was great in, in, you know, giving me phone numbers and giving me advice from, you know, where to stay in each city to, you know, whether you need a rental car, just logistically things that you don't have. You know, you you build those up over the years. I had it with the Blackhawks and I covered them for, what, eight or nine years, and, you know, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anybody. So um, my, my main thing is introducing myself to people, listening to people. Um, reading everybody, the competition, what Colleen wrote, what everybody's still writing, listening to you, watching games, and just kind of immersing myself into the beat because, you know, White Sox fans are very knowledgeable. and If you don't know your stuff, they're going to call you out on it.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, we do that on the show just about. I think that's our last segment of White Sox Weekly just about <laughs> every Saturday. I get called out for things I mess up. It's a good segment. Um, so I wonder this, Chris, as, as much as and you, you mentioned listening, and that's a huge part of, of, from what I was told, being a reporter, what do you hear most And and what what has impacted you most that you've heard from people as you came onto this beat over the last two months or so that you've, you know, that's kind of tipped you off as a direction to go?
2: You know, you always hear about clubhouses or, you know, dressing rooms and hockey and and other places that, oh, it's a very tight group. These guys get along. And, you know, I'm not sure that's always the case, but I have to tell you that this White Sox team, for a team that's lost as many games as it has, for a team that Mm -hmm. realized it wasn't going to win a lot of games, wasn't going to win a title, isn't going to win a title for a few seasons. These guys really seem to care for each other. They would run for a brick wall for Rick Renteria. And if that, to me, is just—it's this attitude that's not just mopey. oh, boy, you know, we're not going to win for a few seasons. They really want to go out and get after it. And as soon as Rick Hahn established a direction for this team and said, hey, we re- we're rebuilding, I really think that everybody's really embraced it. I think that's maybe the biggest point for me is that everyone is buying into this. Everyone knows that they may not be around next year. Their, their job might be taken you know, tomorrow by a prospect coming in, but it doesn't seem to bother them. They've really bought in. They do play pretty hard. They make mistakes. They don't win a whole lot of games, although they had a very good September, I thought. This is a team that believes in what's going on. I think that's very important. In any kind of rebuild, you need everybody from top to bottom buying in. I'm
1: talking with Chris Cook of the Chicago Tribune, who is your new White Sox beat reporter for the Tribune. You follow him on Twitter, at Chris, C-H-R-I-S, Cook, K-U-C, and if you 're at all a Blackhawks fan you 'll remember chris co- chris 's coverage of their handful of title runs uh, Chris, I, I wonder this you know as, as spring training approaches and you know we, we played a little bit on the show here of Rick Hahn's press conference with beat reporters uh, thursday 's final home game at guaranteed rate field as spring training comes around, there are a handful of prospects that we haven 't seen at the big league level this year. But I'm very interested to see, you know, where they get assigned. What, how aggressive the White Sox are in playing them in some of these spring training games, because that always kind of gives you a, a get go as to you know where what they might think of some of those guys. Are there a yeah, couple I mean, of names that you've that, that you're more excited than others to see?
2: Well, I really want to see Luis Rubber. I think that he's a guy that yeah. you know is getting a lot of hype already. Seems to have all the tools. You follow him along on Instagram. He seems like he's he had a pretty good time as well. But this is a guy who. <laughs> You know, Rick Kahn pointed out that, you know, he's probably going to start, uh, you know, be a big league camp, but might, you know, start in triple in A, but might work his way up a couple of levels pretty quickly. And I think that just is a testament to what they believe in his abilities. He's a kid who I think has all the tools. You know, he doesn't do one thing. Uh, he, he doesn't do just one thing great. He does a lot of things good. And I think that's what you need when you've got a young player like that. Can he run? Can he throw? Can he hit? He seems to be a guy that uh, can really put the, put all those together. A guy like Rutherford, I like him. You know, I, so I went down to, uh, I went to Norfolk and I watched, Michael Kopek pitch, and uh, this is a guy who White Sox fans should be very excited to see. Yes, he throws hard, but he's also very, um, you, you know, sort of pitch, which I think is a big difference here. He doesn't just go out there and, you know, throw 102 miles an hour because he can throw 102 miles an hour, but he said, I'm a starter. I can't do that for nine innings or seven or eight or yeah. nine innings. My arm's going to fall off. He really knows what he's going to do. He developed a sinker, which I think is very important. It's been a very good out pitch for him. So if you're a White Sox fan, you're looking at the future. you are already seen Giolito, has been terrific. You've seen Lopez. You've seen Fulmer. Look out for Michael Kopech. I know he's got a lot of hype, but trust me, I watch this kid pitch. I talk to him afterward, and to me, he's got everything that he needs to be an ace in this league.
1: You've asked uh, or Thursday. You asked Rakhon whether he allows himself the, you know, the, the the daily daydream to maybe think that this rebuild is ahead of whatever schedule they set out before they ended up trading Chris Sale and Adam Eaton in the offseason. Um, and I wonder. If if you've got a sense of how Sox fans should set, set their expectations for that kind of a timetable for that kind of window, do we do you have a, a firmer graph now than than maybe you thought you'd have when you came over as to when this team, when this even so many prospects we haven't seen yet can be legitimately competitive?
2: Yeah, you know, I'm writing this for the next couple of days. I think I'll probably write it for Monday's paper. But you know, you look at what the Twins did. They had 100 losses last year and they made the postseason this year. And I know it's a different situation. I know they weren't quite in rebuilding mode like the White Sox were, but it just shows. It goes to show you that if you put in everything together, you can go ahead and make a run there. Now, I'm not saying the White Sox are going to be a playoff team next year, but I do believe they're going to be more competitive than maybe people thought because there to be time with the White Sox year, Oh, yeah, 2020, 2019 at best. 2018 can be a successful season if you play 500 or right about there, and you, you can make that as a stepping stone. But you talk to those guys in the room, and I have been talking to them, they believe they can be competitive next year. Jose Abreu brought it up first, and I guess talked to Matt Davidson. He said the same thing. These are guys who believe if they play their best and, they, you know, everyone's going to come through. you got to have everybody. you got to have Abreu have another season like you had. You need to have, you know, you be an H. You need Lopez to take another step up. You need to have a couple more guys come in. They're not going to be for a title next year, but I do think they're going to be a competitive baseball team. You're going to see more wins than you saw this year. And as long as you get that rolling, get that positive vibe rolling, then I don't think it's going to be, you know, 2025 20, before the team does something.
1: Obviously a lot of that, Chris, we're talking with Chris Cook of the Chicago Tribune here for another minute or two on White Sox Weekly. A lot of that is going to have to do with just how well the young pitching ends up pitching. And while we've mm-hmm. seen, you know, Lucas and Reinaldo and even Carson Fulmer this last two starts or so throw real well and perhaps there's more on the way, Rick mentioned that there's been a pretty big hole shot through the bullpen, I think is the way he phrased it. Yeah. Do you do you go ahead and, and set your sights high for the White Sox? You know, there aren't a ton of high end free agent relievers out there, but do you go ahead and, and shoot for those or are there do you get the sense that there might be smaller deals that they could make to pick up a reliever that they maybe hang on to, like a Tommy Canely who's twenty six, maybe you do flip him, maybe you hold on to him long term. Do you just have to get creative to kind of fix what's left of that bullpen?
2: Yeah, you're sure doing. It. I think Rick kind of shown the ability to do that. Whether it is a keyling guy that, that kind of came off the scrap heap and so, suddenly gets used an asset for you, you're able to trade him for something. You know, it didn't work out uh, in other instances. Derek Holland obviously didn't work out. But yeah. I think you go out there and you get some veteran guys who uh, might have another season or two. And you know, they're mostly stopgap guys. You know, you, you would like to get guys that are under control. And oh yeah, he's going to be in the bullpen for the next five or six seasons. That's that's not very realistic. But I do think that when you're trying to win some games, you're trying to develop a winning culture. As you know, as Rakan said, we we shot up this bullpen pretty well. You know, you had know, a lot of guys out there who probably wouldn't be in the major leagues right now if that hadn't happened. So, you know, you don't go out and sign a bunch of veteran guys to fill that fill those roles, but you do go out and look for some reclamation projects, some guys who might have some life in their arms a little bit, and maybe hit on a gem or two. And then whether you can hold on to them or... As Rick Hahn has done, he flipped them for something. I, I do think that's where the way they'll go. But I, I do think you want to bolster that bullpen, especially Rick Hahn. That was the first thing he mentioned. you know, <laughs> He didn't say, hey, we need to, a new you know, catcher, we need a third baseman. He said, we need to do some with the bullpen because it's been pretty bad. And it, it's not to really fault those guys out there. They're kind of in a situation there where there's not a whole lot of other guys that go to Rick Rancheria looks down in that bullpen and goes, oh boy, I'm not sure I'm going to bring in right now. And there's been some rough outings out there.
1: Are, do you, is it the same approach for the rotation from your perspective for next year? Because with, with Carlos Rodon, likely, let's just say for the sake of your conversation and mine here for the next couple of minutes, that Carlos is, is not going to be available to you until you know, the first two months of the season. Let's say it is that eight months, right? You've mm-hmm. got starts to hand out. You've got one spot in the rotation. It seems as is, everybody stays healthy and moves forward. Do you just take a couple of shots and see what happens? Do you can you can you get aggressive early on and and make a move? Uh, you know the John Lester signing has often been cited as something that was done maybe before they thought it would really matter. It turned out to work out fine timing wise. But where do you figure they go there?
2: Yeah, I think that you know we we know pretty much what the rotation is going to be, and a lot does depend on. Don South, and I agree with you, it'd be pretty uh, pretty amazing if he came back for opening day there. But I, I really do, before I get to I really answer your question, but I've been watching Lucas Diolito, and to me, this kid is an ace. And I, I, yeah. I see that in him. He's got the makeup for it, he's got the stuff for it. Uh, he's just got this, this tall and imposing guy on the mound. He talked to the opponents, and they're like, oh My God, he looks like he's seven feet tall out there, and his release point is so high, it's very difficult for them to get to anything. So this is a guy I'd be excited about because I don't think he's a three or four. I think he's a one or a two. Um, and then, you know, you talk about, uh, I don't think you bring up Kopech. I think you wait a little bit on him. But you got another season of Lopez. Um, you know, Carson Fulmer has been very good. I do think you go out and get yourself a veteran. You've already got James Shields. I think you pencil him in, obviously, in the rotation. Go out and get yourself somebody like that, certainly not contract-wise, but somebody of that age who's trying to prove himself maybe in a couple more seasons. Again, they tried it with Derek It Didn't work out. But there are some guys out there who can throw some innings and, and eat, up, eat up some innings there while you cultivate some of those young talent.
1: Chris, great talking to you. Uh, thanks so much for coming on to White Sox Weekly. Looking forward to having a, a bunch of these visits next season.
2: I'll be around. Thanks for having me, Connor. I appreciate it.
1: You got it. That's Chris Cook of the Chicago Tribune. He is the newest White Sox beat reporter. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Cook Cook. It's spelled K-U-C. I'm Connor McKnight. We're going to take a quick break here on White Sox Weekly. Come right back. And and I wanted to get into a couple of the pitchers that that Chris mentioned might be in the realm of perhaps adding for starting pitcher. Rick Hahn can't comment on guys under contract, but we sure can here on the show. We can speculate all we want. It's what we do. 312-591-8900 is the phone number. Last couple of minutes of White Sox Weekly next. Before we start the pregame show, White Sox and Indians in just a little bit right here on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM890, our final White Sox Weekly of the regular season. Single tier. White Sox games are better with a group. Group events are perfect for clients, employees celebrating or fundraising. Bring your group for a great experience with specially priced tickets. It is never too early to start planning 2018. I know we are here at WLS. For more information, call 312-674-6330 or visit WhiteSox.com. Just got done talking with uh, White Sox beat reporter Chris Cook of the Chicago Tribune. Talked a little bit about the starting rotation, the future of it, exactly how it's going to look in 2018. And maybe, you know, I apologize if we've been so fixated on it here on White Sox Weekly, but it, it really is kind of a fascinating thing to me, and especially with, the news of Carlos Rodan needing surgery, having had surgery, and perhaps missing a little bit of time at the beginning of the season. Yeah, you know, obviously with Giolito and Lopez and with Shields in that rotation already, it seems as those to me as though there are two spots. Right? Whether Carson Fulmer steps up, perhaps you know tonight against the Indians in spring training next year. However, it works out, there's a spot open for him maybe. Michael Kopech, I think, has probably got a little bit more work at AAA to do before the White Sox call him up If for nothing else than to make sure the timelines are right. It's part of baseball now. It's, it's the way teams hold on to and, and create long-term contenders. It's by you know making sure that uh, players are around for seven instead of six. Now, the other part of that equation, though, is, is perhaps adding a piece or two in free agency that can space you out a couple of starts. There aren't a whole lot of sexy names on the free agent market coming up this season. If Clayton Kershaw opts out, uh, you know, then you start to talk about it a little differently. However, i got to imagine that everybody in baseball is in the bidding for a guy like Clayton Kershaw. Now, instead, you're looking at names maybe like a Tyler Chatwood of the Rockies. They have a young kid in Jeff Hoffman. They're going to make the playoffs. Hoffman's been pushing hard, though he's been you know, kind of moved into the bullpen here. Maybe he's on the come. And Tyler Chatwood, who's at 28, is a guy you can pick up and kind of work with for a little while. Maybe you pick up a, a veteran like Chris Tillman, who has had a really rough season with the Baltimore Orioles. But Tillman is a guy who's shown top-end potential before, or at least you know middle-of-the-rotation type stuff. And he's a guy that you can take a swing with, like you did with Derek Holland. Perhaps there's some value later on. Uh, Hector Santiago, a guy who's very familiar with the White Sox system, having come up through it, might be a guy you're able to take a swing at too. Certainly his season hadn't gone as well as he'd like, but Miguel Gonzalez is going to be out there as well. And after the White Sox traded Miguel, I kind of got the sense that perhaps a reunion might be in the books for a guy like Miguel Gonzalez. Though you know his value to teams is kind of an interesting one. As well as he's pitched with the Sox, it was really kind of crazy to me and to Ricky Renneria and to a certain degree Rick Hahn all talked about it that it took as long as it did for the White Sox to move Miguel Gonzalez after the waiver deadline so yeah perhaps there are things you want to play with there but there are options to be sure and it'll be really interesting to see just how the White Sox play their hand with what will be the starting rotation in the 2018 season. We will talk about that and about all of the players and prospects involved in the White Sox here in the 2017 year when we wrap things up. Saturday afternoon, next Saturday, one week from now, this is our last show of the regular season, but next Saturday we will do a two-hour season wrap-up star-studded event. You'll hear all the highlights from the season, the whole deal. Thanks so much for listening throughout the course of the season, too. I really appreciate it, and you can always remember, Hit us up on Twitter, at C1McKnight. You can leave your notes for us there, and we'll get back to you all winter long on White Sox Weekly. Our thanks to the whole promotions crew and engineering crew out here at Jewel on Roosevelt and Wabash. The pregame show is coming up next at 535. Thanks to uh, Adam Stadzinski, our producer, back at the shop. We will be back to start the White Sox pregame show in just a few, so don't go anywhere. You have WLS AM 890. You've been listening to White Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox
2: baseball. Listen every week for White Sox Weekly on WLS AM
4: 890. The proud home for White Sox baseball.